Welcome again to the Arlington Baptist Podcast. Again, so glad that you're joining us. And today, I'm decided to continue the subject of ecclesiology or the doctrine of the church. It's so important to the Christian life. I've always, from the time of my salvation, almost 38 years ago now, uh, I was saved in a church that our pastor was a very a strong uh, proponent of ecclesiology and taught a lot about the church and how important the church is to the Christian life. And I've really never changed from that position. I've always had a great love for the church. I think the New Testament uh, will will verify and play out that the church is vitally important uh, to a Christian's life. I say it again, a person doesn't have to be uh, in a church to be saved, and the church doesn't save anybody, but when you're saved, you'll show you're saved by being faithful in church. That just goes together. And so uh, I hesitate to leave this subject too quickly. Now, we have spent the last 12 weeks, ever since the first uh, Thursday in the new year of 2022, dealing with ecclesiology. I was answering the question, why I am a Baptist. And we spent about six lessons on doctrine, biblical doctrine, why I feel uh, Baptists historically have been Bible believers and have stood for the great uh, principles and teachings of Scripture. And then the last uh, six lessons, uh, making 12 in total, uh, I dealt with Baptist church history and why historically I believe uh, Baptists can uh, show themselves to be uh, the original Christians and those who believe and practice what the early churches did all through every century till this very day. But instead of leaving this subject too quickly, I want to spend a couple more weeks on it because there's some other things that I'd like to cover and and have some plans to have a few other uh, voices added to our program soon, I hope. Uh, but there are a couple of questions I thought I would uh, put out and try to answer in these next couple episodes. And, and they're more kind of meat and potatoes and more practical, uh, but very important. And the one I want to talk about today, the question I want to pose and try to answer uh, is what makes up a good church? How do you know uh, you're in a good church? I mean, there's so many people today that are uh, sadly, unfortunately, hopping from church to church. I think that's a detriment uh, to our society, our church, uh, church's strength today. But uh, if you are looking for a church, and there's some justified uh, ways in which somebody can be looking for a church, say you're a new, new Christian, you've never been in church before, say you, you've had to move because of a job or a family situation, there are things that come up. And if you're looking for a good church, uh, how, do you, how do you find one? What do you look for in a church? What makes a good church? I want to give you six or seven things today. None of these will be in order of importance. I think all of them are important. They're kind of like a package deal here. But just some things that, that I've, uh, uh, over the years, used as a barometer uh, in engaging churches myself or helping people find a church. I've had people who have left the churches I've been pastoring and, and moved and moved to other parts of the country and asked me, you know, hey, pastor, can you help me find a new church? And I kind of went through this kind of checkoff uh, list, you know, that they could check these things off that are very important to, to look for in a church. And so let me let me give you these. I won't be long in any one of them, but they're all important. The first one, and, and maybe I would put this at the top of the list because it is, to me, probably the most vital uh, aspect of a good church, and that is it has to be sound in doctrine. It has to be sound in doctrine. You know, what a church believes, the truth it proclaims, is what makes a church a church, okay? Uh, no church can claim to be Christian, can claim to be uh, following the New Testament pattern, 
set by the early churches and the apostles if its doctrine is wrong. And so any church that you research or go visit or look into, uh, they ought to be able to clearly show you, not only just on their website by a doctrinal statement, and most churches have those, and and they're helpful, but uh, honestly, I think they're usually a little bit uh, too brief uh, and shallow. Uh, I think some churches are afraid to go too far out and tell people what they really believe in, a, in fear that they might not come or whatever. Um, our uh, church at Arlington Baptist Church on our website, we have a pretty thorough uh, declaration of what we believe, and not that it can cover every uh, word, every statement, every nuance, but it's pretty thorough. And I do think it's important that you are in a church that's sound in doctrine, Uh, Remember what Paul said to Titus. Titus was a pastor that Paul left on the island of Crete to set the churches in order there. And he said, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Uh, Boy, you better be in a church that's doctrine is sound. And and along the same vein, under the same principle, I would say, you need to be in a church that's teaching thoroughly the Bible and preaching thoroughly the Bible, okay? Teaching and preaching, you know what those are. One is declaring truth, one is instructing you in truth. You need both. Uh, And if you're not uh, in a church where you're growing in your knowledge of the Word of God, where you're uh, learning more about the Bible and the things of God, if you're not being challenged biblically, I have to tell you, I'm trying to say this humbly and honestly, uh, you're, you're not in a good church because you should be challenged. You should be growing year by year. If you can look back over, say, several years you've been in a church, you should know more of God's Word. You should be more acquainted with, more uh, articulate uh, with telling others about what the Bible teaches because you're in a church that's challenging you biblically. I've made a commitment to our people here at our church, and, and I've said it, and, and, and this is in no way in some kind of some kind of a arrogant pat on the back on my part. I, in any way, I've just made this commitment to our people that I'm committed to teaching the Word of God uh, to our people here at this church. Every time we meet, we open the Bible. We're not here to play games. We're only here for a few hours a week. This is like a boot camp. This is like a training uh, session every time you come. And we really stress biblical teaching and doctrine. So I'd say uh, what makes a good church, make sure it's sound in doctrine. Uh, number two, uh, I would say that make sure uh, that the church you either go to or are looking to uh, join uh, has a gospel outreach. A church ought to be evangelistic. Uh, if your church is not systematically uh, uh, challenging you and then getting you involved in reaching your family, your friends, your coworkers, your you know students at school where you might attend, uh, people uh, around you, and you're not involved in worldwide missions as well, uh, I have to tell you, that's not a, a good church. Uh, great churches follow the biblical pattern of evangelism. We're trying to reach the lost. Every church ought to have uh, a, a, an evangelistic program where, whereby your church is getting together on a regular basis, trying to reach your community. Maybe that's through uh, community outreach, things you do for the community, come on your property, come in your church building. That's fine. We've done a lot of those here. Uh, you also ought to be going out to where people are. Uh, we do a lot of uh, track distribution and put out cards and get a new move-in list from a company that we go out and, and uh, during COVID, we haven't knocked on doors like we used to because it just hasn't been feasible for people to answer the door anymore. But we still put out a lot of material, a lot of new move-in letters that we send out. Uh, we encourage our people. And the best, uh, the best prospects for evangelism are your own extended family. Maybe you have a a spouse, a child, a parent, a, 
you know, a sibling, some extended family member, uh, your neighbors, people you work with. These are people that ought to be top priority, and your church ought to be stressing evangelism. Remember when Jesus gave the Great Commission, he gave it in all four Gospels and in the book of Acts. Some of this stuff I've said on some earlier lessons in this series, but let me remind you, the Great Commission, the first part of it is go, go ye therefore, make disciples of all nations, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That was a church commission that is not just given loosely to all Christians because all Christians can fulfill the rest of that commission, which is to baptize the converts and bring them into the mainstream of the church to teach whatsoever the Lord's commanded us. So uh, what makes a good church is the church has a burden for souls. Do you care about the lost? Uh, does your pastor preach evangelistic messages uh, when you have unsaved people that come to your church? Uh, are they going to hear the gospel? Are they going to be challenged? Are they going to be uh, put, are they going to hear the gospel and, and be made to, to uh, make a decision? Are they going to be asked to think about it and respond to it? Okay, I, I preach evangelistically definitely when we have uh, new visitors that I don't know their their uh, spiritual status, uh, though I can't know anybody's heart, of course, anytime. But when we have new people, I always try to uh, have an extra message in my Bible. I go into the pulpit with, with uh, two sermons every Sunday, uh, one that I want to deliver to our own people that are faithful and attend every week, but I have one ready that really tries to uh, declare the gospel to some unsaved person or persons that might be there that day. So make sure the church that you're going to or that you seek out to join uh, has a real active, aggressive, uh, burdened plan to reach the lost. Um, a third one I would say is I would say make a, a good church, uh, what makes a good church is one that emphasizes worship. Uh, you know, worship is a such a key and important role uh, in the church, important part of every church's assembly. Every time we meet together, we need to be reminded, I need to be reminded, that we're coming together to worship the living God, Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Holy Spirit, God the Father. We're, we're here to worship. We're here to, to ascribe value, worth. The word worship comes from a word that means worth or, or ascribing or giving worth to someone or something. And we're giving worth, value. Uh, we're, we're showing our praise and adoration uh, to our great God, our, our creator, uh, our Lord, our judge, our father, uh, our savior, uh, our coming king. And so worship is, is the church you're going to stressing worship. Now, I know there's many different styles of worship and there's a lot of debate and, and sadly a lot of argument today of what's, what's worship and what is not. Uh, some people think worship is only if you're uh, raising your hands and getting real emotional and there's nothing wrong with that. I like that. I'm, I'm not against that. Uh, I think we need more emotion in some of our Baptist churches. But then again, we have to be careful. Some people's personality uh, is not conducive to that kind of very outward emotional show of worship. So we shouldn't make that a prerequisite or requirement for worship. Uh, I do not think hype and fanaticism in much of the charismatic movement proves worship. Some people think as if the music isn't making you dance and sway and move around, then it's dull. Well, I don't, I don't agree with that. Uh, I think music is to glorify God, not to please our emotions and please our fancies with whatever style it is. But anyway, back to that point, though, I think a good church 
emphasizes the importance of worshiping. That's one of the main reasons we come together in church as an assembly to worship God. The church is called in 1 Timothy 3.15, the house of God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And as the house of God, God meets with us. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. That was a church statement, not to just Christians getting together wherever they want. He, he, he's referring to that in the midst of a passage on church discipline in Matthew 18. If you look at that closely, you'll see. So this is an assembly. And as an assembly, we worship together. So I think that's very important. Uh, a third, uh, or fourth thing, pardon me, a fourth uh, area that we could discuss that I think uh, really is important to uh, make a, a church a good church is, 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 it, is it carrying out the ordinances properly? Uh, I talked about these in our uh, sessions earlier in this series, uh, how important it is to understand the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. I won't rehash that doctrinally. I won't go back over what those are. I'm only going to say that how your church or whatever prospective church you're looking into, how they carry out the ordinances, what they believe about baptism, uh, who do they baptize, and how do, how do they accept people uh, who come for church membership upon uh, either accepting baptism from another group, which I, I think is a mistake uh, if that church is not of like faith, uh, or if they uh, didn't have proper immersion, if they weren't baptized after their salvation. Uh, these are all big things that we talked about under baptism and then the Lord's Supper the same way. Does the church you're going to or are you looking to join a church? Are they carrying out uh, the Lord's Supper properly? As the biblical mandate shows, not how convenience has come into it, how churches have made it easier or added their own little man-made things. I'm talking about, do you want to be in a New Testament church? I would hope you do. I want to pastor a New Testament church. God gave us the New Testament example. Why do you think he gave us the book of Acts and all the epistles with so much church doctrine in there? Because he's telling us how it was to be done. Of course, there's nuances to every generation. Our society is different, and and there are some things that they couldn't do back then that we do now. They didn't have all the technology and all the the changes in society as far as you know government and and uh, uh, ways that people uh, you know carry out their lives as far as jobs and all that. But the basic principles of assembling together to worship and and to preach and teach and reach the community and and preach the gospel, all these kind of things. Uh, are set out in the New Testament. And the, the ordinances are definitely shown there. So there's no reason that they should be changed. There's, there's no right for any church to adjust these ordinances as if that's something that we ought to you know, update for today. The biblical pattern doesn't need to be updated. It needs need to be obeyed. So carrying out the ordinances. Another great uh, addition uh, that I would say that's important as we go through these uh, is to uh, the church that you're going to or that you're looking to join or get involved with should be providing fellowship uh, for you. Fellowship. What does fellowship mean? Well, it's from a word that combines fellow and ship or being together in one place, like in the same boat. A fellow is a friend or making friends. It's, it's having time to spend with other Christians it's having time to do things together where you're you're enjoying each other's company. You're making the right friends. Man, I think the, the best friends that any Christian could have and should have ought to be members of his church or her church. We ought to, we ought to enjoy being together. 
Is your church providing, or does that church you're thinking about joining provide plenty of opportunities for fellowship? And I'm not talking about just at the services. Now, every church, like our own, has scheduled service times. They have to. Uh, We can't just, well, I'll see you next week whenever we want to get together. We have to have scheduled service times, of course. Especially in American culture, we're so cut and dry and, and so busy and ordered and disciplined by time. But fellowship is times outside of the scheduled services that you have where you get together. It might not be an organized fellowship all the time. Our church has those. We believe in those. We get together and, you know, the old potlucks that Baptist churches always had. I don't necessarily, we don't call them that anymore, but we do like to get together. We we do game nights. We use our gymnasium. We uh, go out and do things together and take trips, go on fellowships, and we've done things together and, and going places in the community. Uh, and so fellowship is important. Uh when you get together, uh, however many times your church gets together, we have four services a week. If you come to every one, you're coming to Bible study at 9.30 on Sunday, our main worship hour at 10.45. We have an afternoon uh, teaching time at 2 o'clock, and then we do a Wednesday night prayer and Bible study at 7 o'clock. But those are scheduled, and there's not a lot of room in and of themselves to those scheduled times for, for fellowship. Yes, of course, our people communicate and they'll talk and shake hands and go around and ask how each other's doing. But I'm talking about really doing things where you're together. And so your church needs to provide that. It ought to be a place of fellowship. Boy, I tell you, um, I try to stress this to our people at our church, how important fellowship is. Um, I've always moved by the passage in Acts 2 where, uh, remember when Peter gets up and preaches on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 souls are are converted, 3,000 people are saved, and they're baptized in verse 41. It says that the day that gladly received his word were baptized and they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. But the next verse always just blesses my heart because it says, and they, which is the converts, it says, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, which that's the first thing, and I've already talked about how important doctrine is, yeah, those 3,000 newly saved people that were added to that membership of that church of Jerusalem, they continued in the apostles' doctrine, their teaching, what they believed. But then the very next word, fellowship. Boy, how important that is. They continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. That means the apostles, those 12 men, remember Matthias became the, the 12th apostle after Judas, the false apostle, uh, hung himself and they replaced him. But, you know, those apostles didn't think they were above the, the common members or laymen, if you want to call them that. They had fellowship together. They spent time together. I think that's a beautiful thought. They continued in the apostles' fellowship. So the church that you uh, consider joining or you're in now, you need to make sure it's providing fellowship. Um, let me go on to another one. And, and this is, uh, that your church or what makes a good church is a church that calls on you to serve. Boy, this is a kind of a sticky area today and it shouldn't be. Uh, I've always said this, you've heard this little cliche, it's kind of worn out, but it's still worth repeating. Uh, God saves us to, to, to serve, not to sit right? You've heard that. Uh, When you're saved, God saves you to be a part of his work. It's called the work of the ministry. Uh, It is hard work. Uh, You know, we don't come to church to get, get, get. We come to give, give, give. We're not takers, we're givers. And part of that is serving. 
You need to be a part of a church that, that, that's calling on you to serve. Now, if you deny serving, you reject serving, you, you won't serve, that's, that's your fault. And the church isn't held responsible for that. If you don't serve uh, because you just are stubborn and, and, don't, and lazy and whatever it is that keeps you from serving, uh, that's not the church's fault. Your church ought to have ways in which you can get involved and use your gifts. You know what gifts are? You hear a lot about spiritual gifts. I believe in them. The Bible says God hath set some in the church, and he sets apostles, and he sets all the members. God leads you to a church. Hopefully the church you're in, you were led by God. That was the reason you went there, and he put you there. And you ought to stay there, by the way, if that's where God led you. But you ought to be in a church that's, that's challenging you and giving you opportunities to serve. The Old Testament's a great pattern. If you read your Old Testament, you know that God's economy, God's way of working to Israel was through the priesthood of the Levites and the sons of Aaron at the tabernacle, later the temple. And those Levites picture the believer. They were priests. And you know, you and I are priests today. Revelation 1 says we are kings and priests unto God. Every Christian is a priest because we, uh, we go and represent God to people. We go as, as a, a go-between to try to bring people to Christ by sharing biblical truth and, and telling them about the Lord. So as a priest in the church, we're each individual priest, we're to be serving. Can you imagine a Levite, one of Aaron's sons that worked right with him, uh, getting up one day and saying, ah, oh, Dad, I'm too, I'm too tired. I'm not going to the tabernacle offering those morning sacrifices today. I've I, I got other things to do. Uh, or, you know, or said to the other tribes, I'm not going to be there to take your sacrifices or to do those offerings because I've got other things to do. They, they would never heard of that. Their work was serving in the tabernacle and the temple. And our services in the church today, that's, we're in the church age. We're living in the period of time God's working through his churches. That's what I've said so many times in this series. It sounds like a broken record, but it needs to be repeated. We're living in a day and age where so many Christians don't even see the importance of the assembly, the church, the local called-out assembly, where you meet together and carry out the work of God. It is work. It's called ministry. Ministry is ministering. Jesus said he came uh, to minister, not to be ministered to, and to give his life a ransom for many. He came to set the pattern. Remember when Jesus uh, got down on his knees the night uh, uh, of his arrest and took water and washed the disciples' feet? He said, as I have done, you do likewise. He sets the example, the master washing the, the feet of the, of the servants. He said, you do the same to one another. We're to serve each other. We're to be serving at the church. There should be ministries at your church where you can get involved. If you're, if you're talented in music or in teaching or leadership or, or uh, you're a handyman or you're a person that uh, has extra time, you're retired or whatever it is, and you can do things for your church, serve. That's what makes a good church. It calls on you to get involved. Um, I, I think it's a, a, a natural thing, and it should be, that, that someone who's not serving in the church ought to feel a bit guilty about that. They ought to see that the church is a place of service. They're being asked to get involved. If they don't get involved, the church can't demand it. Remember, one of the most difficult things about church work, every pastor knows this. I'll share it with you if you don't already know this. Uh, churches are a volunteer army right? We can't force anybody to come. We can't force anybody to stay. We can't force anybody to serve when they're here. But we challenge them to do that. We teach the Bible and show how God's people always got involved. Uh, I love what it says. 
For instance, in, in the book of Acts, where uh, in chapter 8, the persecution came upon the church of Jerusalem because they wouldn't leave Jerusalem and go reach more of the Gentiles outside of their city. Uh, and it says the apostles stayed in Jerusalem, but everybody else in the church left and went out preaching the gospel. It says they went everywhere preaching the word. I love that. There's too many times uh, church members today in, in our American-style churches especially, uh, they think that's you know the work of ministry, evangelism, music, teaching, whatever the ministry is uh, of any kind. They think it's for the, the pastors, the deacons, the leaders. No, it's everybody. We're all members of one body. Every part of your body needs to be working properly for you to be healthy and, and to have a good life, right? And so a church needs every member serving, everyone. So you ought to be in a church that's calling on you to use your gifts. Get involved. This is not a spectator sport. Uh, Christianity was never made for people to, to go and, and be a part of a presentation like a Broadway show or a movie, and you sit back there on your chair or pew and watch a uh, production at, up front. No, we're all to be serving. Thank God in our church, we have so many faithful people. Some of them are behind the scenes. You hardly hear them or hear from them or see them visibly, but man, they're doing things. Sound people and security people and people watching nurseries and teaching. People come clean the buildings, cut the grass, work on things at our property, go out and, and hand out cards and, and reach people, cook food and, and uh, take food to people when they're sick. I mean, there's all kinds of things that, that your church should be doing. Our church does those kind of things. And that's what ministry is about. And that's what makes a good church. Well, let me give you one more. I've given you already, what, six of these now? It has to be sound in doctrine. Uh, it ought to be preaching the gospel. Uh, it ought to be emphasizing worship. It ought to be carrying out the ordinances. It ought to be providing a place of fellowship. It ought to be calling on you to serve. The last one, by no means is it the least. It's probably the most important. And that is a good church believes in and practices prayer. Prayer is a key to every good church. Without prayer, we can do nothing. Remember Jesus' words in John 15? He said, without me, ye can do nothing. And when Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me, he was really saying, I can do all things through the power of Christ. And how do we get that power? How do we have that power? By submitting to God, by humbling ourselves every day and asking him to help us and to strengthen us. And prayer is the lifeblood, is the strength source of every church. Our church believes strongly in prayer. We call on our people, not just to pray in the assembly. Yeah, we have collective prayer and we have prayer times where our men will pray, our ladies will pray, we'll pray together. But we really stress to our people, in your daily life, church member, you need to be praying. And we give them things to pray for. We keep them up to date on our people and, and other events in the world and other uh, situations with our missionaries. We pray for our missionaries every uh, week when we come together. We have cards that have the pictures of our missionaries with their country or their field of service and, and their name on it. We want our people to become familiar with them so that in their daily prayer time, they're praying for these missionaries. The Bible commands us to pray. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give, give, prayer, give thanks uh, for this is the will of God according to, Christ, uh, according to Christ Jesus. God wants us to be praying. Uh, we're to always be bathing everything in prayer. Jesus said, after this manner, pray ye. And he gave the Our Father as the model prayer. That's, a, that's just a pattern of prayer. 
but the church is to be called a house of prayer. Jesus said that. And so, boy, if your church uh, where you're attending or that you're seeking to join doesn't really stress prayer, if in some way it comes across as they really don't believe in it or think it's that important or don't practice it often or challenge you to be praying, boy, I would be very suspect of any church that doesn't believe in prayer because prayer is dependence on God. Prayer is communicating with the living God. Can you imagine it's mind-boggling. I can't even wrap my mind around it either. But to, to imagine the God of all the universe that created everything there is in six literal days, spoken into existence, that controls everything, everything consists because of his power. He bends his ear, if you will, to listen to a little peon like me when I pray, simply because of Christ, my Savior, that I'm one of his children. I come through Christ. Remember what it said there in, in Hebrews, that great passage about prayer? where he says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain, obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Well, prayer is a subject that deserves its own lesson and, and maybe in the future we'll take at least a podcast or two to talk about prayer. But this is a like the icing on the cake for me. I could never be a part of a church that was not emphasizing prayer and that we totally need God. You know, the older you get as a Christian, the longer you are involved in God's work and the more time you spend growing in your faith, the more you need the Lord. Uh, the Bible says, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Our strength's in the Lord. And, and to have joy and contentment and fulfillment in the Christian life, we need to be in constant communication with the Lord. I love the example of Nehemiah, for instance. We can give so many examples of great prayer in the Bible. But in the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, it's a great story. And I won't take time to look at the story with you as much as throughout that little book. Well, a little, I guess it's 13 chapters long. It's not real little. But throughout that story of Nehemiah's life, and he was a civil leader and worked on rebuilding the walls and gates of Jerusalem. He had a lot of problems. A lot of things happened. A lot of stress in his life, you could call it. But you'll see him often in that book. I, don't, I haven't counted it recently. I don't know how many times he does this. But often he will just stop. In the midst of the text, it includes this. And he'll just kind of shoot up a prayer to God. He was probably, I'm sure, just doing this under his breath. Probably wasn't audible. And God hears, uh, hears this when we don't pray verbally or audibly. He knows what's in our mind. You can pray in your mind. You don't even have to move your lips. But Nehemiah several times will say, Remember me, O God, for good. Or he'll just say something like that. Remember me, God. Remember what's happening. Uh, I, I just think it's a beautiful way that, you know, this is how we can pray without ceasing. People have read those verses like in 1 Thessalonians 5 where it says pray without ceasing. And you think, how can I do that? He's not saying to, that you can uh, 24 hours a day, every day, be in a position of prayer, say with your head bowed or your hands folded or whatever way you uh, position yourself in, in reverence to God when you pray. He wasn't saying you could do that all the time. He's saying you could stay in communication with God. A prayer is, is, is communicating with the living God. We pour out our hearts to him uh, with adoration and confession and thanks and, and supplication. Uh, but God, he speaks back to our hearts through his word and through our conscience. And so uh, I want to say how important prayer is for every good church. Well, I hope these things have been helpful to you uh, today. And let me just stress how important it is to be a part of a good church. I mean, this this entire series of podcasts, the 12 previous lessons and this one, and then we'll probably do a couple more. Uh, really, if I was to say, what are they all about? What are they all for? This would be it. 
I want to stress to you how important it is you get to be a part of a good godly church, a good sound church. The church is God's plan. Jesus said he loved the church and gave himself for it. We ought to love the church. I don't believe any Christian can faithfully serve God and obey God without being faithful to their local church, to be faithful to a a body of believers. And if you're out of church, uh, friend, please reconsider how serious that is. You're not in the will of God. You're out of God's will. You need to be faithful in church somewhere. Find a good godly church. You can use some of these seven things that I've mentioned. Get on church websites. Hey, you don't even have to go visit churches in person anymore like people probably did years ago. Now you just get on a church's website and check out what they believe and and even listen to some sermons and see what they're doing in the community and so forth. Man, how easy it's become. We We have it easier than any other generation, yet we have fewer and fewer people really committed to churches. And of course, COVID really made things difficult and people are now using the excuse that now you know with COVID they stopped attending in person now they're watching on Facebook and and sitting home and on the in the uh, on the couch in their pajamas hey we we record our services on Facebook every service and I'm glad we can reach anybody through that that medium through that social media but I've always told our people and I'll say it right live on camera many times when we're recording our Facebook services that this does not take the place of assembling uh, Facebook and and whatever medium, YouTube, whatever, however you're recording your services on your website or a channel or a Facebook platform, that does not take the place of assembling. Uh, Jesus said in his word in Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. That's what he condemns. He, he forbids. Don't forsake. And so, friend, uh, I hope that you can get at least as much out of this series by realizing, hey, I need a good church. Uh, hey, if you're in the uh, Arlington, uh, Grand Prairie, kind of part of the Metroplex here. We'd love to invite you to our church. But no matter where you're living, find a good church and God will bless your life for it. And our church's motto remains, and I hope it always will, that great balance to have conviction for truth and compassion for people. God bless you.